It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Caleb and Eric. Listen in as they discuss the career of Steven Spielberg and fifth generation game consoles. So I, I went and saw West Side Story because oh. you know, I, I like going to see musicals. Oh, I, I didn't really know that. Okay. Yeah, I try to see all the big ones that come out. Um, yeah, big fan. I do too. I just didn't know you were on the same page. Oh yeah, and the, by the way, the uh, the love interest in In the Heights was in Scream, and she was terrible, and I was shocked. She was so good in that movie, and I was like, ooh. I heard she was in it, but I didn't know she was terrible. Yeah, did not played like one note the whole time, and yeah, did not did not work. But well, I still love her. But go on. Yeah, so I, I quite liked uh, West Side Story. I thought it was really well done, and it reminded me how great that music is. But it also reminded me that, you know, Spielberg, even though I may kind of give him a few knocks every now and again, I was like, oh, this guy, he still makes great movies. Maybe it's time to go back and, you know, do a little mini retrospective. Oh, I don't know about that. So uh, <laughs> I finally revisited uh, E.T. Okay. And I revisited Close Encounters, War of the Worlds, and Duel so far. Okay. Yeah, and that E.T., I, I just, I can't get there. <laughs> Why? <laughs> It was my actually my least favorite of the four that I watched. Why? Um, I find the beginning of it until E.T. gets sick. That's always the part that interests me. Until then, it's just kind of overly sentimental and just kind of boring to me. I don't really relate to the kid characters. Spielberg, for me, all of his characters always feel really artificial. And so, for whatever reason, I just it just takes me out of the movies and I can't connect to any of the characters in almost any of his movies. Okay. Especially see. Okay, so you're giving me food for thought. So I've never thought about that aspect directly, but now that I think about it, since you brought it up, look at the characters. These are new thoughts I'm forming in real time. I haven't really thought about this much. I would say, I think they work for me, or like the ones in ET, because. Just like movies, let's say from the 50s, dramas or melodramas mm-hmm. from the 50s, how those characters don't seem like real people. You know, they're in a movie. They are melodramatic. Um, they're not, they represent real people, but they don't remind you of real people, you know, in real world, in the real world. I'm speaking in general mm-hmm. from the 1950s. Um, I kind of think of those characters in E.T., as like the early 80s equivalent of that from the 50s, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I could see that. Yep. Like if you watch Leave it to Beaver, you know they represent like the perfect family, 
but they're on television and they're like in TV land, where which is not the real world. You know, in no way does that seem like it's a real home um, with actual real people. Uh, and I guess so. The ET family is like the, the early '80s version of that like depiction, uh, which I'm okay with. I guess I never really thought about that. For me. Of course, I had the nostalgic connection, and there's nothing I can ever do about that, like, to take that away. <laughs> but, okay, and I watched it as a kid, and so I had all that connection, because I was the right demographic at the right time. Um, but I did not watch it again for many years after my young childhood. Like, I didn't have a desire to watch it again. Like, by the time I was already, like, an older kid, like, let's say 13... That was so in the past. Like I like that's for kids. Like you know what I mean? Like I've grown out of ET, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that's ugh. And so I never really had a desire to go back and watch it. And it wasn't until my gosh, like it wasn't until after well after the DVD version had released. Um so now we're talking decades of past. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if I should revisit this. I had already revisited Close Encounters, um, and that one kind of blew me away. So Close Encounters, I had memories from a kid, too, as a kid. But I only had vague memories of that movie because I never, you know, it preceded me in time. Like, I mean, I didn't see it at the movies. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't see it when it first came out. I saw it later on television and sometimes on video and stuff. And I never really watched the whole thing, and I never really paid a lot of attention to it. And I always remembered it as like the movie where nothing really happens. Uh, I mean, I don't think of it that, like that now, but it's almost like I thought of it as like a Shyamalan movie, M Night, where it's like all build up, all build up, and then there's like not really anything there. That's how I always kind of thought about Close Encounters. And so I revisited that one probably like when the Blu-ray first came out or something. And I remember watching it, and I was really watching it seriously for the first time as an adult. And I thought, wow, this movie is, like, so well done. Um, Like, you know, the craftsmanship and everything. And so then I thought, okay, well, let me see E.T. as an adult. And, again, that's how I really, really appreciated it. And and in craftsmanship, similar to um, uh, Close Encounters. And I love Close Encounters. Um... But E.T., I love them both differently, but they're related. Because I yep. I see E.T. as like a weird continuation in a way. And with Close Encounters, you know, it's more on the... It's more focused on the conspiracy and not trusting the government and that kind of stuff. Whereas E.T. is like, well, let's actually see what happens if you get to interact, you know, with an alien and stuff like that. Um and again, I just thought, God damn it, this movie is so put together so well. It's it, And then I started really feeling the emotion. I mean, I understood the emotion of the movie when I was a kid, but I wouldn't get wrapped up in the emotion. Um, although I remember other kids my age, we'd always feel, it was like we, as a kid, you'd be like really uncomfortable with all the E.T. dying. It's just, it's just kind of freaky. Just like it is, I mean, that's the way it is by design. It's meant to be kind of scary, like to a kid just all the the scientist types and all that stuff um but yeah and then 
and then as I got even older, past that, and and continue to visit it. See, you're way too young for this part yet. At a certain part, you're gonna get sold, and then things are gonna evoke like weird memories of your childhood. But but you'll remember it more in a nostalgic way, even if you don't want to remember all your childhood. But see, you have to get like a certain age before that even starts happening in your brain. And I'm already in that stage. And so now, E.T. just like, I, there's no way I cannot like it now. Um, because again, I was, I'm old enough that aside from Star Wars, that's probably the, other, the, the earliest thing I can remember where I was old enough to be conscious of, you know, all the movie tie-ins and all the products that had like mm. E.T. on it. You know what I'm talking about? And mm-hmm. God, I... I just remember it like so well. ET everything, ET dolls everywhere, it stores. Kind of like how um, the Grogu stuff is now, but like just ET stuff everywhere <laughs> on socks, on pajamas, T-shirts, M&M packets. I'm sure Reese's, Reese's, Reese's pieces. Reese, I always get that. Yeah, <laughs> I always get that confused in my head. All that stuff, and so. And then the fact that, like I said, it's just a well-done movie. It's just amazing. And then, of course, when I saw Stranger Things, the first episode, mm. and I instantly knew, oh my god, they're doing the intro to E.T. Even though at the time I hadn't seen E.T. probably in six or seven years, like at the time that I saw the first episode of Stranger Things, and mm-hmm. I knew it was doing E.T. And like as soon as I watched that episode, I had to go find E.T. just to see if I like if I was remembering correctly and and I just, I just loved it. I mean, Stranger Things, like, calling back to that. The whole Dungeons and Dragons game and all that stuff. So good. Yeah, anyway, yeah. And then, and again, also, when I see the movie, the like, the neighborhood they lived in, I didn't live in that kind of neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But I remember those types of neighborhoods. And I remember knowing people who lived in... And it's just... God, it just captures it so well. I just remember the cars and the clothes and like you know just everything and and that movie is oh there's other movies it's but it's it's the original of that just depicted that that moment in time so I almost feel like I'm watching a documentary when you see the suburban life stuff it's like watching a documentary mm-hmm. of like what life was like at that time in the 80s <laughs> I guess I can yeah I guess I can understand that point of view yeah, and it, it could be just that I wasn't alive in that period, so I don't have the same kind of childhood connection to it. But even though I did see it as a kid, but yeah, I totally get it when people older than me, like if they grew up as kids in the seventies or kids in the sixties, I totally get how that just completely amplifies like their appreciation of like those things from their time. Um, however, I. I see kids, well, I mean, you know, what is it, Gen, Gen X, Y, Z, uh, right now? I'm not, I guess it could be Z, um, who are coming of age now to where they're starting to reminisce on being kids, like, in the early 2000s or whatever, mm-hmm. and I don't know, maybe it's because I'm the old guy in, in the room, because I'm like, ugh, because I don't remember that as a particularly great time. You know what I mean? Like, there's things I think that were cool in the 80s and 90s from my own living life experience. And to me, the mm-hmm. aughts was just kind of a bland, like, a filler decade. <laughs> like, using uh, anime te- terminology. Absolutely. That was a filler decade. Yeah. 
as far as, you know, nothing too significant happened uh, in movies or culture or whatever. Yes, there was 9-11, I understand that. But, but... Ugh, overshadowed, like, so much with film. Or the world, speaking of uh, 9-11, just in terms of films, just overshadowed, like, so much. Like, ugh. And then I brought up War of the Worlds, which is absolutely just Spielberg obsessed and trying to turn that story into a 9-11 parallel just does not play. <laughs> like, Have you revisited that one uh, recently? <laughs> no, but I've been wanting to because, I mean, I remember seeing it and just going like, oh, that's it. Okay. But I've always wanted to revisit the visuals. And I don't know what format mm. you saw it on, but as I recall, I don't remember if I saw it on DVD or Blu-ray. I thought, I think maybe it was Blu-ray. But I just remember, like, let's say it was Blu-ray, and I remember me thinking, this should look better than this. Like, I need to see a better version of this movie. Mm. Like, because I'm not sure. I think that one might be coming out in 4K soon. I'm not sure. But I'm interested to check it out. Because I just remember thinking at least i like the way this looks like i could just watch this with the sound off yeah it, it's it's a fantastic kind of visual piece it's got some weird choices like like it, it uses a lot of natural lighting but it feels like kind of uncontained natural lighting where it, like everything just kind of bleeds everywhere which looks super cool even though it's just kind of a weird choice but and it's got a great vision of kind of horror of what the uh invasion looks like like it came out when i was like 11 and I thought it was just like this fantastic horror movie I watched all the time. But it was not one I ever revisited as an adult because I guess I just turned it in, turned on it at some point. Uh-huh. And I can definitely see why it did, going back to it. It does not necessarily hold up. But <laughs> but it's got a cool visual aesthetic at least, but some pretty silly plot stuff. And again, the typical artificial Spielberg family dynamics, which just feel just lame to me. And he always has to insert it. Just uh, <laughs> but. And the other thing about the early Spielberg movies, and me and Sean talked about this at great length when we were discussing Jaws, and it applies to Jaws, mm. it applies to Close Encounters, it applies to E.T., those early ones. Um, again, if you go put yourself in a time machine, if you were there, similar to Star Wars... When you saw those movies, compared to the other movies that were out at the same time, these movies, it was like you were watching what movies are going to look like 10, 15 years in the future, but you were seeing them ahead of time. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because they looked so much more advanced with the cinematography and the style and the art direction, all that stuff. Like, they feel way more modern. Um, now, to everyone who's young now watching it for the first time, it's like, oh, this is just a movie in the 80s that was made in the 80s. Right. But you don't understand, like, movies at the time when E.T. came out looked more like they were made in the late 70s, even though they came out, like, in the same year. Um, and it applies to Jaws, because, goddamn, Jaws, it, like, it, it doesn't, you know, me and Sean did all the movies that were nominated in 1975, and while they were all good... Jaws, again, the the direction and the art direction and the cinematography, it's like that movie was produced like in 
1993 or something. Um, and it was just thrown together with these other movies that were made in the 70s. Because its style is so ahead of itself. Even though they happen to be wearing 70s clothes and all that. It's just... <laughs> or I said something like... It reminds me of like a movie... Like it was made in 1990, but it was set in 75. Because it, it, it's mm. produced so slickly, it doesn't look like things that were actually made in 75. Um, <laughs> so that's another layer that like really lends itself to the early Spielberg works. Um, because the further you get in his career, the more it's like he gets more in sync with current time. You know what I mean? Like he was he seems so advanced in his style, but eventually his style started to lose that like the the more you advance in his career. I mean, I'm not saying his movies got worse. They just they didn't they didn't blow you away like those ones did. Um, like they didn't stand out as much. Although, like, the last influence I think he really had, I said it before on some podcasts in the last year, which is he still was able to influence people a lot when with the way he made Saving Private Ryan look and sound. Mm. Because, because everyone copied him for, like, the next 15, 20 years. I mean, who did war movies and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess Minority Report kind of influenced a certain kind of branch of sci-fi for its time too even though i think that's kind of forgotten at this point but <laughs> no but it did though because uh, i think spielberg was one of the early pioneers of the processed um post grading mm -hmm. color grading mm -hmm. i think he was like and it started again well he even did it in schindler's list but that's a black and white movie but he did it um in private ryan he did it in Minority Report, and I think it's because of that influence. And the, yeah, there's the Matrix who also did it in their own way um, at that same mm -hmm. time. Um, Fight Club, I feel like, has that too. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, and then it, it like continued. Like Lord of the Rings kind of did it, and it got more and more saturated and strange in that decade because <laughs> we've done, we've discussed this like. Um, it carries on into and it gets really heavy with the Transformers um, live action movie and the sequel, the first sequel, I mean. And I want to say it all culminates, like like the, the apex of, of this grading, um, this grading grading. Um, yeah. Like I want to say 2009 Star Trek was the turning point. That's when it like hit full saturation and then the pendulum mm -hmm. started coming back the other way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, people start to be like, okay, this is almost like a cartoon at this point, even though it's live action. It does not look like reality anymore. And especially didn't work with Star Trek. And, like, I think Spielberg kicked it off because pre... Uh, pre-9-11. Pre-Saving uh, Private Ryan. Everything was... Okay, oh, this is going to sound dumb. But let me work it out. <laughs> Pre-Private Ryan, everything still looked post-Spielberg. And what I, I've talked about that before, how Spielberg with his early work set the tone, and then everybody pretty much copied that all the way into the late 90s. Like what he established with E.T., like the style, it, 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 it pervaded the industry until the late 90s. Um, Mm -hmm. And then that's when digital effects took over, and then digital grading, and then that's when we went into that whole that next step, which I just explained. Um, 
that's the way because if you watch those movies of the 90s the dramas especially they're they're peak original spielberg in in style with the shadows and, and the cinematography and the camera movements um it, it started in the late 70s early 80s with spielberg and then it, it hit it, it hit its peak in the, in the end of the 90s and I feel like there's a lot of Spielberg in that area where I just have not watched, like, most of his dramas from that period. I've just completely stayed away from. So so I might try to revisit or check out for the first time some of those movies, like uh, The Color Purple or Empire of the Sun or what's Amistad. Actually, I've seen that one, but not, not since I was a kid. Wait, so you haven't seen Color Purple or Empire of the Sun? Nope. Never seen those ones. And... You've watched like some. Of, have you watched some of the series like Amazing Stories? Yep, a little bit of that when I was a kid, but not since then. So you know how that series, you know, obviously it's a series, but it's like they're for television. They're trying to emulate the the Spielbergian look. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So Empire of the Sun. Well, of course, it's made by Spielberg, but it, it feels like, like God. It, it it just looks like Spielberg. Um, in a way that um, Amazing Stories looks like Spielberg. It's just it's just so... And I haven't seen that in, in years and decades. I don't know what I think about the story, but I think visually that movie would probably be a stunner. Especially if they release it in 4K now. I think that would hmm. just be amazing to look at. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be, I'm, I'm definitely curious for that one. I'm not so curious about the color purple. I mean, and I'll watch it. Of course, you got but... the kid, Christian Bale, you know, before he was Christian Bale. Oh, in Empire of the Sun? Oh, yeah, he, he's the lead. He's like a, I don't know, 10-year-old boy. Oh. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. That's part of the significance of the movie in retrospect. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about it, really, except for the cover. So I'm curious. I don't even know what the plot is. <laughs> I, I, I only remember the broad strokes myself. Yeah, and if have you ever seen Duel, by the way? No, but I've always wanted to, obviously. Yeah, it was, a, it was a cool little flick. I just watched it last night. Um, now I'm going to watch Something Evil uh, tonight, hopefully. Wait, what's Something Evil? Uh, that was the second mo- TV movie that he made after Duel. I'm not aware of that one at all. I never, I was, I never heard of that. Yeah, he made a couple of TV movies. But I've always wanted to see Duel and never seen, and I've always wanted to see Munich and never seen it. Oh, I didn't see that either. Yeah, for whatever reason, when that came out, it just did not look that interesting to me. I was, or maybe I was, maybe I was too young then. I don't know. I just wanted to see it, and uh, and it was curiously a Spielberg movie. It might be the only one, especially of modern times, that um, it was like virtually like it like Apocalypto originally. It was on Blu-ray for a second, and if you didn't buy it. Like, good luck. Like, you're not going to find it. Um, oh, interesting. And so I was, for years, trying to get it, and I just couldn't without spending some crazy money. And I wasn't, I didn't want to, I wasn't, I wasn't so desperate that I wanted a foreign copy. So that's another reason why I never really got <laughs> to see it. That's fair. Oh, and, and I haven't seen anything he did after Tintin until uh, Ready Player One. I think there's like six movies there, and I haven't seen any of them. Mm, I've probably seen most of them, but not all of them. But of his yeah. lesser known works, or lesser praised, uh, historically my favorite has been um, uh, Catch Me If You Can. Oh, loved that. Absolutely. 
always loved that movie. And it, it never, I mean, it was kind of popular, but it, it's like people forget about it for some reason. Yeah, I, I don't know why. Yeah, that one was had a really great vibe to it. It was really humorous and just charming. I like the Terminal too, but not quite as much as that one. Yeah, that was okay. And then the Post was one of the first 4Ks I ever bought uh, in, in that format. And the Post is fine, um, but it also comes across to me kind of like Mr. Bergman. Later in his career, he was producing like movies made for television, um, and they're mm. still really good, but they're still kind of like movies made for television. Uh, and that reminds me, or that makes that feels to me like if Spielberg made a movie for television. Um, <laughs> That's how that. I'm not necessarily saying that's a knock, but it, it's it's it feels much smaller in scope and everything than his usual stuff. I feel like all the stuff in that that tiny period that I haven't seen anything of feel, looked that way from the trailers. Like there was that War Horse movie. I also thought that looked like like really Spielberg's doing this. This feels like uh... I saw it at the theater, and that one felt like. It felt like an up and coming director was doing like his homage to Spielberg and his style. Yeah. Oh, that's that doesn't sound great. <laughs> and then it's like, but that was actually Spielberg. Like it feels like it's made by a Spielberg acolyte or something. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, what what's one of the other ones from that weird period? Quickly, uh, BFG. Did you see that one? Yes, I did, <laughs> and I was so disappointed by it because that was. <laughs> That was one of that and Fantastic Mr. Fox were my two favorite childhood little novels or whatever. Um, oh. And so I was like, "Oh my god, he's doing BFG! This is unreal!" You know, and Spielberg of all people. And then it's a goddamn super CGI movie. God. Oh, uh, oh, you haven't seen it? No, I've seen the trailers, and yeah, it did not look good. I was like, "Wow, that's a Spielberg movie!" Uh, but the CGI is just. It's the over-the-top CGI, like like the Marvel movies that don't do the CGI right. It's just, oh, uh, like it's 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 uncanny valley, but not uncanny valley for looking like real people. Uncanny uncanny valley. I'm I mean that metaphorically. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uncanny valley for special effects that look right. <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> like <sighs> like. Like Uncanny Valley is, you're, you're not convinced it's a real person. Well, this BFG is like you're not convinced that these are legit, like special <laughs> effects. It's like from like a like a cheap little J- Japanese movie or something. <laughs> Maybe not that bad. Sort of, sort of, sort of. Because you see, good CG would be like Avatar, where you're watching a movie and you forget that you're watching CG because you just get wrapped in the visuals or or the story or whatever. But in BFG, you're constantly distracted that you're watching like a human interact with like these weird three-dimensional cartoons. Um, Ugh, and I don't right. like that. I don't like, oh, it ruins it. Oh, god damn it ruins it. It makes you wish that it was done in the more traditional way with like like a blend of practical effects, you know, like, like the original Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. uh, like a blend of practical and CGI. Instead of just going hard CG. Ugh. Yeah, I even remember when that movie was coming out. I was like, seeing the trailers, I was like, oh, here goes Robert, Robert Zemeckis again. Oh, I was going to say. With this weird CGI that he does in all his movies. 
And then I was like, oh, it's Spielberg. Yikes. He said Robert, and I was gonna, and I was gonna say Robert Rodriguez during his digital era, or the like the Star Wars prequels or something. Oh. It's like people <laughs> acting in front of blue screens. Oh god, like it's not yep. cool. It's not cool. So yeah, I saw the movies and I was just saddened. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, that when that movie came out, I was like, okay, I feel like Spielberg's career is like done. <laughs> like, I feel like he's just lost at this point. And then the Ready Player One came out, and everyone loved that. I didn't much care for it, but well, because they said it's him going back to his roots in a in a in a, in a roundabout way. However, yeah, yeah, I remember seeing the movie, and I had like a mixed bag type of feeling about it. Like, there was parts where I was like, ugh, like chagrin, or I don't like the way this looks. But then there was other parts that I thought were cool, so it was like a mixed bag. Um, and some of the references I thought were, were nice, and then some were lame. But, um, but my gosh, I got a serious buzz in the movie theater during the whole Shining sequence. For those moments, mm, mm-hmm. I was completely blown away, and just I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I just thought I just thought that little fan service part was just fucking amazing. Yeah, I remember being slumped down in my seat, kind of like just bored with the movie, like oh, like this just keeps going on. When's it gonna end? Then that scene came on, and I just like sprung up, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm back. But when and then I- it ended, and I was back to just like a. Eh. <laughs> but are you the person that I know who's never seen AI? Yep, never seen AI. Yeah. Okay, so and I so we already had this conversation at some point where I said, okay, now that one to me, if there's one you have to watch that, of the ones you've missed, that's the one because I'm not saying it's an amazing movie all 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 together, but I think it strikes up. It could potentially strike up the most conversation. It's it's a it's something to talk about, um, especially because you know he built it on the skeleton of uh, Kubrick's work, and um, like it's basically Spielberg attempting to finish an unfinished Kubrick concept. And yeah, I was about to uh, say maybe we should do it after Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> a little addendum, perhaps. Perhaps yeah, I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> And there's some heavy themes and concepts going on in that movie. And it is quietly on my list of some of the most unsettling movies I've ever seen. Um, hmm. Now, I don't know if people at large share my opinion, but there are multiple scenes and multiple parts that are so simple but they just creep the shit out of me because they get in my head and they make me and they're very unsettling and um oh i don't know it's there's there's these there's there's a lot there's a lot of discomfort in, in certain parts of the movie and it's by design and yeah it's some of the most unsettling stuff i've seen of his besides like let's say schindler's list you know um it's it's a very unique Spielbergian movie. Yeah, he got pretty dark there for a while. After Schindler's List, like Amistad's pretty heavy, and Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Fuck, I can't speak. Saving Private Ryan. God damn, why can't I say that? <laughs> I haven't even started drinking yet. 
dear. But even some like War of the Worlds, he was getting pretty, pretty grim. I was like, wow, for a Spielberg movie, this is like, wow. <laughs> I finally had to look up his filmography to see what all I'm forgetting. It's funny how we've just completely danced around something like it doesn't exist. Um, his movie from 2008. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that. That was actually the start of me being like, "Whoa, Spielberg!" Like, maybe he's gone off the deep end. And then Tintin, I saw. Well, I think it's just a, a little, little Lucas in his life. I think is all that was. <laughs> yeah, then I saw Tintin the next year, and I was like, "Oh, I guess it wasn't next year. It's a couple years later." But yeah, I was like, "Oh, wow! Like this is not good." <laughs> it wasn't terrible, but it was. Oh, really? That's that was your thought of Tintin, because. I was all hyped about it. Obviously, you know that Stephen Moffat worked on it, which hyped it up even more mm-hmm. for me at the time. Um, and then, uh, yep, I fell asleep at the movie theater with my 3D glasses on and everything. Yeah, I, I walked out being like, wow, there was like no life whatsoever. This felt like um, Jurassic Park The Lost World, where it was like a just like a job for him. Like he didn't care. Very strange. Because I... I <laughs> remember seeing like behind the scenes stuff and he was like oh i always loved the, this these books and comics so excited to bring it to live action and then that's what he produced i was like wow <laughs> uh, but yeah maybe maybe like, was that his first animated film uh, i'm looking so maybe he just couldn't wrap his head around getting the animation right looks like it mm-hmm. well, yeah looks like it Oh, there's 1941. That's something to revisit one day. Yeah, I've seen part of that on TV, but I didn't finish it. It's like, oh boy. I don't even think I knew it was Spielberg at the time. I just oof. I didn't know it was Spielberg. I don't know what I knew, but I was a kid and I was like seeing it on video and stuff. And it's just an all over the place kind of movie. And I found it entertaining as a kid, even though I, I barely understood what the heck it was about. Yeah. That's fair. Pretty interesting concept. Do you remember the concept? No, I I don't. I think all I remember is that they're on the West Coast, like literally on the coast by the ocean. And they're just like looking out and they're supposed to like sound the alarm if they see the Japanese coming like to attack the California coast. That's I think that's the, yeah, that's the concept. Yeah, I was I was considering adding that to my list of ones to revisit. And I was also curious about seeing always because I've heard nothing but negative things about that movie, but I don't know anything about it, so it's kind of like, I don't know. It's funny that I haven't seen that movie. I mean, because I remember all the ads on television. I remember wanting to see it, and that's a that's a curious, like, dark blank spot, like, in my, in my knowledge of Spielberg's movies. Um, I can't remember if you care about or play any video games like like current video game systems or whatever um but you know i i got my ps5 first and then i was like okay this is fun i guess didn't really blow me away uh and then i got the the budget xbox series s and then I was so surprised by that machine because of how inexpensive it is. And there's even aspects about it graphically that I think surpass the PS5, even though it's less powerful. So I was like, 
content with that thingy. But I knew the X was going to be better. But I didn't know if it would be like that noticeably better or what. And I finally got my hands on an X like three days ago. And I'm fucking blown away. I am fucking blown away. Because I already thought the S was pretty damn nice. And the X is just better. Holy shit. And so I've just been blown away by this thing. Um, oh, interesting. God, it really makes me want to play video games. Um, <laughs> and it's it's another nice UHD player. Now I have so many of them. But um, <laughs> but it's fucking fantastic. So I don't know. But um, have you have you started checking? Oh, did you watch the latest episode of Bubba Fett? No, I the last one I watched was the third episode. Holy shit! Okay, is it on five now? So let's see. Yes, and I'm trying to think. Is four the one that people found most? Cont- what was four about? What was three about? <laughs> the third one. Three. Um, there was. Um, the huts gave him a, a raincore. He, some water vendor, uh, came to him and was like, "Oh, there's this band of young ruffians stealing oh, my, yeah, yeah. stealing my shit." Okay. So we teamed up with those like characterless. <laughs> They're called the mods. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. Episode three was the one that got a bit divisive amongst the viewers because mm-hmm. a lot of people <laughs> did not care for the mods and the chasing. I was fine with all of it, but. That was quite divisive. Um, I can't remember the details of episode four. Right now. Oh, yeah, okay. That's coming back to me. Okay. I liked four. Um, I'm not going to... I mean, I'm trying not to spoil anything specifically, but no, four was good. <laughs> but then five was holy shit. Um, and I think that's by far everyone's favorite. By far. Uh, of the five. Holy shit. Oh, okay. Interesting. Five, yeah. Oh yeah, that opens it up. I mean, that like, that that was. There's a lot of important, like, you know, (laughs) Filoni and Favreau, like you know, expanding, filling out the Star Wars universe. You know what I mean? Things we don't know. Hmm. Things that we're learning for the first time. Episode five is big on that. Um, clarifying things. Not. Like outside of the Boba Fett series that affect other areas of Star Wars, so that was a big one. That that was fucking fantastic. And there's only one left, I believe. Oh, cool. So we'll see how this all works out. Yeah, I'll definitely try to catch up. Next. I would. Fuck. <laughs> fucking love that show. I'm just watching so much Spielberg. I haven't had time to watch TV. But <laughs> oh, so then of course then I get. Oh, you haven't seen. The Peacemaker series on HBO? No, I, I've been... I've heard so many great things, and I am a John Cena fan. So I'm like, i got to check this out, but... Just if not, oh, made it. Well, well, that's insanity if you're a John Cena fan. But, you know, I like the new Suicide Squad movie as much as anybody. Um, and I knew the series came out. I was in no hurry. I especially didn't care for the John Cena character in the movie, even though I liked the movie a lot. Mm-hmm. So I was in no hurry. But then I finished something else I was watching. Probably Arcane or something. I finished that. That was fantastic. But um, I was like, okay, let me check out Peacemaker. And at first, have you seen like The Boys? Uh, Only the first season. Mm, Okay. Season two is really good. Anyway. um, 
So at first I'm like, okay, this is another show that's kind of like in that vibe of the boys. Um, in terms of humor and in terms of, for lack of a better term, gore. Um, and I'm like, okay, I get it. Because these kinds of things are popular these days. But I gotta admit, man, that it's pretty fucking good. It's obviously a series, but it, but James Gunn, he's producer, executive producer, but he also directs some of the episodes and he writes some of the story episodes. He, his fingerprints are all over this thing, his influence and everything. And so it's like, what if James Gunn made a TV show? Well, here it is. Hmm. And what I think is fascinating. Is especially in the last episode, which was episode five, but but in all the episodes, but especially four and five, like in this woke era that we live in, where you know we're always some of us are always complaining, like you can't make jokes nowadays like you could in the old days in movies and television. Mm-hmm. Like somehow, James Gunn has all this humor that feels like shit that you haven't been allowed to do for fifteen years. And I'm not sure how he gets away with it, because this is the kind of stuff that people say, oh, you're not allowed to write stuff like that, or you can't even joke about that, or, you know, people would normally say, oh, it's just not funny, because that's like old-fashioned racial humor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Man, he, he goes, he, he does not hold anything back um, with his not with his non-politically correct humor and i'm just amazed that i guess he's just one of those people in hollywood who can just do whatever he wants when it comes to that because you don't see stuff like that currently that are so non-pc um well maybe maybe he feels like he has a little bit of a get out of jail free card after that cancellation failure apparently that's what amazes me too because he got in trouble for whatever he... T- I don't even remember what it was specifically. But whatever he had tweeted in the past, whatever. And it was bad. And he had a mea culpa. And I have advanced. But then this stuff is probably just as bad as whatever his tweets were. But you don't hear people going, Cancel Peacemaker. Or this is obscene. Or how could they think this is funny? But yet that's how it comes across to me. So that's what I, I just find so surprising about that show. Is that I'm surprised. Yeah, and he's been consistent. I mean, that's the stuff he started doing at the start of his career, and it's always worked for him. I mean, Super Two had some stuff in there that made me uncomfortable. I was like, "Ooh, boy!" Like, like I like James Gunn, but oh, P- Peacemaker has a lot of that. Has a lot of that, and I find it refreshing, to be honest, because mm-hmm. it's that old-fashioned racial <laughs> yeah, dude, like LGBT humor that you're not allowed to do <laughs> these days, uh, and they just do it. They just do it like it ain't nothing. So, oh, that shows hey, I'm, hey, I'm glad it's working for him. <laughs> I heard that was like, uh, I think I read an article yesterday that said it was the most popular streaming show right now. I was like, hey, good for John Cena. I didn't even think about the James Gunn uh, connection. I didn't think that he worked on that show very much. That's, oh, that's cool. It's it's very much his baby. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that one, that one's good and. Uh, I think that rounds out the things I've seen most recently, or since last we spoke. It definitely stood out. But yeah, I think that's it. 